Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Good morning. We're going to go ahead and get started. Um, today, today we are going to spend the time talking. Um, less time presenting. Um, last week, uh, Scooty and I intended to give you more time to talk, and we ended up talking most of the time. Uh, so give us the mic, and we're going to talk a lot. Um, we had uh, been talking about the integration of grace-based discipline. This is grace-based parenting, the wrong title on there. Um, so there are some more copies over there if you need some of that. And I thought what we'd do is just set the parameters for our conversation today. And what I'd like to do is just have this kind of opening time where Adam and I just remind you of where we are in the class, some of the big concepts. And then I've listed out for you the uh, four questions that um, I want you to be in groups to be talking about. You can talk about anything that you want to, but these will help guide you. Question number one is, how are you doing responding the way that you want? Um, This one was always a challenge for me. Um, And this is off of the idea of responding by not personalizing the behavior so that um, you're not hooked into an immediate uh, frustration response, basically, is really what this is talking about. This is an acquired skill for most everybody uh, because if you, um, if you are a very even-tempered person, you can probably be an even-tempered person for a long time, but you can get pushed over that line also. And when you have a child or a relationship that keeps pushing you in a particular way, um, you're forced to have to deal with how am I going to respond without being um, so aggressive or so passive uh, but I'm going I'm to do something that's really helpful. So that leads us to the second one. How are you doing with establishing boundaries and um, discipling is what that word is. And this is that idea of privilege and responsibility that we had talked about, um, that children need to have these guardrails, and then there are, there are freedom within, there's freedom within those guardrails. And as children get older, they want to do more things. And they can do those things as long as they have the personal ability to maintain and sustain it. So if you have older children, uh, about six and above, uh, this idea of privilege and responsibility becomes one of the single-handedly most important tools in your toolbox to say, I want you to be able to do that. In order to do that, you have to demonstrate for me these, um, this level of responsibility or you have to be able to maintain your attitude or your, your uh, chores or whatever it happens to be for X number of time to determine that. Now, I'm, I know that I've broken this rule, but generally speaking, the general parental rule is don't allow a child to be put in a position to fail just because a child wants to experience something. Now, there have been times that I've just said, okay, just go ahead and try it, but I'm going to build a little scaffolding safety net around them. But most of the time, it's you really need to have these steps in motion. Now, of course, you never compromise safety and you never compromise righteousness. So when our kids were learning to drive, they actually had to meet certain criteria before they could drive. That was a pretty much non-negotiable. But when it would come to other things like band practice or uh, being on a sports team or doing something extra at school or they just want to have their friends over, we just sort of had to figure out what are these parameters that would allow for that to be as healthy as possible. 
And uh, the whole goal is, do you have the skills so that when you're away from me, you can maintain that, is the idea. Uh, and then number three, what progress are you making to establish and maintain your home, your family, in an atmosphere of grace? Now, grace is favor and forgiveness. And this is you being able to um, allow for your children to struggle, make some mistakes, and you're going to wrap your arms around them and help them to move forward rather than beat them down or uh, be frustrating uh, or frustrate them. And the last one is what questions do you have and how can we as a class give you supportive feedback? One of the best um, components of a class like this is just you talking and sharing with each other in empathy. Oh, yes, yes, I remember that. Or here are some things that I have found to be helpful for me. Or here are just some things that I have read about. And you can just kind of throw them out there. And here's what I want you to know is that um, some of our methods work well for a time, and then they just don't work anymore at all. So you may have tried something, and you just decide, I'm not going to do that anymore. And then you just think, well, I'm just going to start that up again. And it works again, and you have no idea why. I promise you, I don't have any idea why that works either. Um, so we use a rotational model with our children of just doing things for a while. And if it didn't become a part of their daily discipline or their own personal self-control or self-discipline, then we would rotate things, um, different methods in and out. And as a result of that, they would actually grow over time and I would be less frustrated. Because the more options I had, the less frustrated I was. Uh, one of Peter Buckland's parenting rules is my child should be frustrated when they misbehave, not me. And I worked really hard to live that out. Not that I was trying to exasperate them, but when they're misbehaving, and I'm the one that seems to be so bothered by that, I'm thinking, why are you not bothered by your misbehavior? I need to bring this to your attention and demonstrate that there are boundaries here, and I need to get you to that threshold of obedience that we were talking about where you will actually comply. Um, so when, when we're looking at um, where we are in the class, I think we're at a really good juncture where... Um, we're now in kind of that skill building and practice and what's going well and how can we pray for you and how can we support you? What questions do you have about particular kids and methods? Um, this is where Scooty and I like to just go with whatever questions you have. So if you want to keep track of some of those, we're going to spend some time later on in the class just uh, fielding some of those um, with you and trying to spend some time just taking, taking you as a group um, in the direction that you would really like to go in practical application um, and allow for you the opportunity to just kind of talk to each other about how things are going. Adam, let me let you say anything that you'd like to before I let him talk. Excellent. I think um, as we're talking about just the, the boundaries, um, how are you doing with establishing boundaries and, and discipling, I really want to just emphasize that, that the reason we have boundaries is to live within a peace to, to have a greater relationship. And that, that's got to be the key for all of us because, like Peter said, when, when you know, question one, how are you doing responding the way you want? Um, when kids who have this tendency of learning how to throw a parade on our last nerve, uh, when they can go off like that, uh, how, do we, how are we in the forefront of our mind saying what matters most to me is not what they did, but how, how our relationship is and, and then ultimately how their relationship is with God, how my relationship is with God, and, and from infancy up, how is that developing? Because relationships develop over time. And so remember that the boundaries we have and, and, the, that we, and the discipline that we give is never about, is not primarily about behavior modification. It's about 
growing in deeper relationship. And when you have that relationship, then the actions will follow. So, excellent. Great. You can go ahead and right. cut off if you want to, and we'll get started. We'll, we'll get started on questions. Yeah. Um, if you are... Okay. Thank you so much. I can't believe that time is gone. I just looked at my watch. and um, Do you guys want to do this again next week? Is this helpful to chat? I mean, we've got more videos, but we've got plenty of time. I know, I know, I know. We're going, like, I, over here, my little group said, wow, this is really nice. So, um, questions, comments, things that um, Adam and I could address with you that Hi. you were talking about? Go for it, Elizabeth. Yes. So, what kinds of things do you need for restitution? So, like, uh-huh. she needs to do some things whenever she's, well, she's been mean to everybody. Yeah. How old, again, is she? Um, five and a half. Okay. Super bright. Mm-hmm. You know, like, to help me would be, you know, laundry, dishes. She thinks those things are fabulous. Yes. I took her door off because she slammed the door and she thought it was the best thing ever. But this is awesome! I can run in and out now. It's faster. I'm like, no, that's, that's not what I meant. Yeah. So I put the door back on and made her mad. So I was like, hey, this works very good. <laughs> <laughs> Slows you down. Yeah, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. so like, what do you... Yeah. What? Go ahead. Yeah, I would, I would say, so, you. all right, so you said like, how do we how do we discipline her? Like we're making her do these chores and she loves it. We we take the door off of her room and she's like, "This is fantastic! I'm in and out." What that screams to me is, "I want to be with you," right? Like I don't mind doing chores because I'm with you. I don't mind that my door's off my door because I can see you. I can feel as if I'm with you. And I think you know we were discussing in our group like the irony of discipline is this: when you discipline your child. It's usually because what they're doing, especially at a young age, you know, we're talking pre-double digits, it's really an outcry for attention. And so the last thing I want to do, when my child's a knucklehead, like Grayson, we were talking about it too, Grayson, like, we would, we would spank him when he was younger and he'd be like, that's all you got? We, we'd send him to his room and he'd be like, this is my castle, you know, and we'd, we'd take stuff away from him and he'd be like, I didn't want that anyway. And so we're like, how do we discipline this kid? And the irony is, when I took him to Culver's to get a Sunday, and we spent a couple hours, or we'd go to GameStop, and he'd, we'd play video games or whatever, he was a, an angel. He was fantastic for weeks and weeks and weeks. And so I think a lot of what's going on with your daughter is she's just saying, I want time with you. So how, and, and I get we're super busy, but how do you prioritize individual time where you can take her out and get an ice cream cone at McDonald's or whatever and spend a little, spend an hour, two, three hours with her and that, you know, take her to the playground and, and slide the slide with her or whatever, push her on the swing. Like that's going to be exponentially better than, than any, you know, traditional discipline that we would give. Um, I put up on the board uh, one of Peter Buckland's maxims, negative attention is better than no attention at all. And so one of the things that I think about is that if you're caught in a cycle where your child is misbehaving all the time, what Adam is talking about is probably what's going on, is that in some way, in my mind, I am going to control my interactions with you, and I'm going to get, you, my, I'm going to get time with you mm-hmm. when I want to have time, because I know that the only time that I'm going to get, in my mind, as a child is when I do something that stops you from doing what you want to do. So one of the things that I would say to you is that there's this baseline, and then I'll I'll answer your question directly from a a red perspective. 
with some of that because I it has to be built on what Adam is talking about because that has to be in place. So so let's let's put that in place first. Is that there's a baseline that you will always do certain things for your children always that they can count on. And one of those is time spent or the kind of interaction pattern that you want to have. No matter how busy you get, you will go back to that baseline as soon as you possibly can. And you will tell your child, hey, I've been really, really busy these last couple of days. And I want you to know that I am missing the time that I'm spending with you. Because children personalize um, everything that you do in a negative way if you don't tell them what's actually going on. So silence is always interpreted as negative when, you're, when you have a child or even in a marriage if something happens and you don't have the context. Because we're so afraid of being rejected and we're so afraid of being left behind and we're so afraid that maybe I did something and maybe that's why mommy and daddy aren't talking to me for these last couple of days is that they're projecting a lot on you. Because if you stop and think about the messages that we are given in the culture, the messages that we get are there's something wrong with you and you need to change something and you don't look so good and you've made this mistake and the way that I'm going to punish you is I'm going to either bully you or treat you poorly or I'm just going to ignore you in some way. And then that gets superimposed upon a healthy parent-child relationship. So um, the baseline that um, Adam is talking about is ask yourself, when was the last time that I got to spend some time with my kids? So I would, uh, this was way back when, when Walmart had 25-cent pops um, outside their Walmart when we moved here in 1997, um, is that I would just take my kids, uh, we just go, hey, I need to go get something at Walmart. Usually I would make an excuse to get one thing because if I got more than one thing, it would be daddy I want, daddy I want, daddy I want. And I would train them and I'd say, I need to go get one thing and I want you to come with me. And when we go there, we're just going to stop and get a snack or I'm going to get you a pop while we're there. And they're like, oh gosh, this is the very best thing ever because they got two things. They got sugar and they got sugar daddy, which was really <laughs> nice. And what they got was, I want to spend time with you and we're going to go do something that is, is a chore, but it's not so much that it's hard for them. And then I'm going to just do something that's really enjoyable for us. So I would find all the cheap places in town. You know, Dairy Queen's coming in. Uh, Lynn Ragsdale said that he wants to be the mayor that brought the most um, fast food restaurants into Web City. He's our former preacher, and um, he just wants to make us all fat and sassy, I suppose. But um, here's what I want you to say is, hey, when Dairy Queen comes, let's go that first week and, and check it out, celebrate the opening, and get some little small thing that you know we would really like. And you, what you're doing is you're building this expectation that Adam's talking about. And then what that does is that that tends to settle them down so that they don't have to have negative behavior to get your attention. The negative behavior that they have is a sign of stress or duress then instead of attention. And the stress or duress may be developmental, might be something at school, it might be a misunderstanding, it just might mean that they're crabby and cranky. I was telling my group that um, in the amygdala area, we had talked about halt, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, um, and that children are really easily susceptible to anger and frustration when you have halt going on, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And that just might be happening, but it's not because you're ignoring them. It's not because they feel like you don't love and care about them. It's because something is going on. So when you've got this that's happening, um, you want to look at all the baseline. And if you were to assign the chores, I promise you that she would not like it. Because like, if this is your responsibility, because now it's, I have to do this on my own. So if you do it with them, um, and they get the bang of spending time with you, and that's what they want, they're going to be really super thrilled about it. So what I like to do when I'm looking at restitution are would be picking the jobs that they don't like to do, like washing out the garbage can. 
That is, that is a gross job. It stinks. It's really horrible. Um, I can be out there with them, but they have to crawl in there, and they have to smell the smell. They can do it with me, but it's really not a very fun job. Uh, wait until the toilet is really nasty and dirty after diarrhea, and then have them go in and clean it when it has a little specks of everything on it that nobody wants to be around, and, and clean that with you and go, hey, this is your job to do this. We do this together. I mean, this, this rest, you have to help me with some of these jobs, and these jobs are really not very pleasant jobs, and if they're like, oh, this is really great. I love to do it, then you can say, then every time we have diarrhea, this could be your job. <laughs> okay, now you need to remember that I'm a smart mouth. And, and I love to be smart mouthy back. I'm not a potty mouth, but I love to be smart mouth. And all of a sudden, you look at them going, I don't, they'll say, I don't really think so. So that smarty alecky-ness is something that I would be like, okay, well, let's just make the most of this. Well, I guess what I would say, um, Michael, is if, you know, somebody didn't like the door, I would just have them run back and forth really fast 50 times. And say, well, let's just try this out. Let me see how fast you can do it. I'm going to time you, and I'm going to be here, and I want you to run back and forth between the house as fast as you can because I want to see how fast you can do this. And it's not so much fun anymore. But that can aggravate them if all they want is attention. And did you hear what we're talking about? And so I don't want to aggravate them. What I want to do is get a sense about if, you, if you've got attention and you just have a bad attitude, what I want to do is really kind of bring that up and say, this really isn't as fun as what you think that it could be, but these are jobs that actually have to be done um, that just are a part of restitution or, or just helping with dishes for a week or something like that. So I'm, I have to watch it. My tendency, uh, Vanna is uh, blue-white, her tendency is to say that she's going to do something and then halfway through them doing it on their own, take it away from them and stop them from doing everything. My tendency is to crush them. You know, when, when you look at that deal, I mean, we, Adam and I, one of the reasons we like to teach together is that we come at this naturally from a different perspective. And we usually have everybody's perspective between the two of us in the class. But what I want you to know is that you have to start with this perspective. You have to. Because if you're going to do anything that is perceived as um, pressure or if a child perceives it as harshness, mm -hmm. a child will think you don't like them when that happens. And you have to have a foundation of love and grace if you're going to put any stress on them at all. And that's what I had to learn is um, while I loved my children, sometimes they did not connect with that because if they get in trouble, think about it this way, like energy units, if you give them positive energy units by complimenting them justly so or uh, re reaffirming that you love them, those energy units are not one-for-one one correlation when they misbehave. So if they misbehave and you have to get on them, they lose 20 energy units. And if they only start with 50 and they've had a really, really bad day, they're 30 in the hole before you know it, and then they're really angry and they think you hate them. And my mind doesn't think that way because I think I'm wonderful. And I just think that if people are mad at me, it's their own fault. You know, and I'm like, it's, it's okay. You know, you knock me down, I get back up. I'm just wired that. I'm, I'm wired in, in a minority way. Um, but most people are wired like the way that Scooty's talking about because they, they, will, they will respond this way more, more rapidly where I'll just kind of look at this like, what's your problem? It'll be like, oh, you don't like me. And so what I would suggest is that as you're building this, that you've got to have all of those foundational things in place. So that's your baseline. There are certain things you will never do. There are certain toys you will never take away. There are certain times that you will meet with them, no matter how bad their behavior is, because they might have bad behavior to test to see if you're a person of your word. So if you say, we're going out to eat on Tuesday night, it's just you and me, we're going out on a date. Tuesday may be the most awful day of their entire life.
And what you do is you go out and eat on Tuesday night, and you say, well, tell me a little bit about your day. It seems to have been really, really rough. And they'll spill their guts because you took them out. And so what I learned was this, and we learned this at Cooks and Hills in the children's home. When a child is in trouble, that's when they need to be closer to me rather than far away. But for most people, they push their children away when they're in trouble because they're angry with them. And here's what I found is if I can get you close to me because of the attachment and we can do something. We, we would work on the farm. We would mow lawns. We, we, would do, we would do it together. It actually calmed the child down. And then both boys and girls would talk more. So here's my little skill for you is if you do have one of these really bad days, then get them talking to. Well, tell me a little bit about this. And you just start listening. You're not correcting You're just listening to what's going on. And in the end, you could say, hey, you know, I've had some experience with that. Let me tell you something I've learned about what you're talking about. And then you just let it sit and walk away from it um, in a certain way. And so you can kind of push forward, but you've got to have this foundational place in motion. Here's the last thing I'll say about this, and then I'll turn it over to you, Adam, and you can kind of round this out and save it. And that is this. Um, The more that a child is attached to you, the more that child will learn from you. So think about that. The more a child is actually emotionally attached to you in, in a healthy, clean way, the more the child will learn from you. The more that the child is in conflict with you by not having a clean emotional attachment, the more a child is doing this, then the child is in survival mode and they can't learn because they're just too anxious to learn. And my parenting, my natural parenting style of red, you know, we're, we're similar can actually put a child in this mode and not really mean to because we are more task-oriented. If you're a more task-oriented person and getting things done a particular way is important to you, you can accidentally kick them into this mode. And where Vanna is a more relationally-oriented person and Adam is a more relationally-oriented person, um, there's going to be a better emotional connection and behavior tends to um, stabilize, um, but sometimes kids will take advantage of the kindness of their parents. So you've got to have both the, the little bit of pressure on, but you've got to have it in this atmosphere of grace that we're talking about right here that I so much appreciate about grace-based parenting and grace-based discipline is you've got to have that, and then whatever we do tends to work a little bit better. Excellent. So clean it up for me. <laughs> no, you did great. I, the only thing I would say is that... Um, so when I first started realizing about this need for attention, this need for one-on-one time, um, you know, I would, I would take Bella out and I thought, oh man, we're going to have this amazing, incredible conversation. And I would be like, so, and I would ask a peering question and it'd be like, fine, good. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, I thought we were going to have this deep, meaningful conversation. And so I would get frustrated because I had unrealistic expectations. And what I realized is when I took Bella and Grayson out and we would go like, we'd go to the mall with Bella and she'd go into Journeys or one of those kids, you know, clothing stores and, and, you know, we'd just walk around and we'd grab some food from the food court or whatever. And, and then, and, and we really didn't talk about anything, but it was good. The more we did that, and it might be five, six times of that, man, the seventh time we sit down in the food court and she's like, so my friend, blah, 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 and, blah, 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 blah. and it was like, whoa, this like flood of what I was hoping for, but I hadn't been patient enough to wait upon. And so my encouragement is like, 
Don't have unrealistic expectations. Just go spend time with them. And that stuff will come. Don't push it. Cool. Well, it is, uh, it's 1027. Can you believe it? Indeed, indeed. Gosh, this, goes, this goes way too fast. Um, next week, same thing. More. I mean, we only got one question. I got one question here. Did you get some? Yeah, they're, we're, they're fantastic. We're plowing along, yeah. So um, this is my favorite part of a class is where we can just kind of chat and find out what's going on. So um, let's come next week, and we'll just start with questions that you have and uh, see what we want to do with that. So let's close with a word of prayer, and we'll be done for today. Lord, thank you so much for the graces that you give us and the fact that in this group right here, this little small group of parents, we can talk about whatever it is that we uh, want to about our children. And we ask once more that you would give us wisdom and grace, that you would allow for us, Lord, to be able to know what to do, and that that would be accomplished within an atmosphere of non-retaliation. For the parents in here that really do have trouble with kind of that push side, Lord. We pray that you would help for them to love well and to know where do they need to put some of those boundaries in place that are non-negotiable. For the parents in here that tend to be able to put those boundaries in place but can come off as harsh, we pray that you will help for them to be able to love well and to get that love out on a table so that children can connect to it really, really really well when the uh, assumption is that when we push a little bit, Um, that our children might think that we're angry and frustrated with them. Lord, we offer our children up to you as living sacrifices um, that are to be honed and fashioned and shaped by your spirit and by your word. And we pray, Lord, that you will help for us to um, come alongside of what you're doing with your spirit, uh, your spirit of wisdom and grace and truth, and be able to support and move our children forward in the truth of the kingdom of God so that they might live um, whole and um, healthy lives, uh, able to manage the stress and strain of this culture. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm